WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. I've always maintained that the 50s were one of the best eras of music, where anything went and did. And one of the most popular groups in that era was a group called the Four Aces, along with the Four Coins and the Four Freshmen. And gosh, you name it. But one of the leading members of that group of the Four Aces is joining us today. And he is Fred Diodati. And Fred, just I can't tell you what a thrill it is to be able to talk to somebody who was a member of a group that I absolutely loved in that era. Well, it's my pleasure to talk to you as I love reminiscing about the old days. So we can have a go at it. All right. Tell me what it was like for you growing up, how you got into music, and how you eventually wound up with the Four Aces. I know that's a long question, but take your yeah. time. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I uh, came out of South, Phil- uh, South Philadelphia, born and raised there, and went to South Philadelphia High School that at that time was producing a lot of singers, um, Al Martino, Bobby Rydell, Frankie Avalon, Fabian Chubby Checker, Buddy Greco, all attended my high school, South Philadelphia High School, and uh, and they were they were they were idols of mine in a way. I mean, I knew they were such talented young young guys, and I said, well, let me give a shot at it. And when the first lead singer of the Four Aces, Al Alberts, left in 1957, I took his place. And for 63 years, I was the lead singer with the Four Aces. And it was certainly something I never expected to ever happen to me, uh, to be able to travel with a a singing group like the Four Aces, who, by the way, were my favorite singing group, along with the four lads and the four freshmen and all the folks that you have four coins. It, It was a good era for singing groups at that time. There was four of everything. <laughs> yeah. And and they also did cover records. They would they would do other people's hits. Oh, sure, absolutely. There were in those in the fifties there were so many hit records that uh, you just you just had to record what was out there, what was what was tops at that time on the charts. And we tried everything. In fact after a period when the um, popular love songs that primarily the Aces uh, uh, were singing, when that started to wane just a bit, we even went to Nashville, Tennessee, and recorded some, uh, well, it wasn't exactly country and western, but it was a novelty tunes. And we even tried that. Uh, So we we did a lot of recording of a lot of other people's songs too. But naturally, the Four Aces are proudest of the songs that we were fortunate enough to record. And uh, without trying to be too humble, it, it, some of those songs were so beautiful. It's a good thing we got there first, because whoever got there first would have had the hit. For example, uh, our favorite, I would think, was Love is a Many Splendid Thing. And I, I can't imagine singing it poorly. It's such a beautifully written tune. <clears throat> Love is a many splendid thing. Three coins in the fountain. Um, yep. Yeah. Written gosh. on the wind. 
Written out, yeah. Uh, yeah, which which uh, one for Bob Stack? Uh, no, for Dorothy Malone, the, the Academy Award. Uh, that was a heck of a good movie. Um, yeah. Tell me why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sin, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Stranger in Paradise. Yes. Oh, yes. oh yeah. my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Oh my they, they were all good heads. And then it also, it introduced all of us. I mean, my former partners, I mean, they, they were out of Chester, Pennsylvania, and uh, never dreamed. I, I talked to them so many times. It never dreamed that they were, we'd be traveling all over the world. My God. And you'd go into uh, Japan, land that first time we landed in Tokyo. That's tremendous reception. It, it made me realize, it made all of us realize how important music is internationally. You, you never thought, up, uh, uh, thought about it, but you got there and people who could hardly speak English, the Japanese I'm talking about, or Thailand, wherever we worked, um, understood the words to our song. It was unbelievable. In fact, in many occasions, we would be singing a tune, and the uh, people in uh, in Japan would st- break in and sing along with us. It was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. T- tell me about. I mean, when you talk about the fifties, there are so many people that that you think about, like the McGuire sisters, who yep. was with Arthur Godfrey and Pat Boone, and and did you have contact with any of those people? Well, we did a PBS special with uh, the McGuire sisters, and um, and that special we did with Pat Boone on. Oh God, we worked. We did a tour with the four freshmen, the four lads, the cordettes, and the four aces. And the tour was called the Fabulous Fours. <laughs> and we opened we opened that show. We were we toured on a bus. We opened that show at the Kennedy Center in uh, Washington. Uh, what a tremendous experience, a wonderful experience to travel on the bus with these people and you get to know each, each other. We knew of their music and they knew of ours. But to get to uh, to get to a, a special rapport with these uh, these talented folks was really a joy for me, a kid out of South Philadelphia High School and uh, to sit, have the opportunity to sing in front of tremendous audiences. And that, that particular tour, The Fabulous Fours, went extremely well. It was a joy to do, and it was uh, very well received. Why did Al Alberts leave? Al Alberts left in 57. Al was the originator of the group. He, uh, uh, he was really... Uh, uh, the real pusher of the group. He, he worked. He worked from this morning to night. That guy that to better the aces. And uh, he left in '57. He always had a desire, uh, though he got along with the guys and everything. He just had a desire to want to do a solo, to see how far he would um, could go as a solo artist. And he did very well. Um, probably not as well as he would expected. Uh, he had a lot of talent. So he said, I'm going to do something else. He was tired of traveling anyway and wanted to stay home. So he developed a television show in which he featured talented 
young artists. And I, when I say young, it could have been from from eight to uh, to twenty, I would say. And uh, he featured and helped uh, uh, a lot of artists. One of them being Andrea McArdle, uh, who did the uh, Annie. Uh, he was a, a great. In, uh, in, he was tremendous, tremendously instrumental in her success. All right. Just just talk about that general era and and the people like like a Bobby Rydell and a Frankie Avalon. I mean, I I saw these guys perform uh, in maybe the late seventies or early eighties, and they were still good. We we did a, a we 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 did a, a Korean tour with Bobby Rydell, and Bobby, God rest his soul. Uh, I think you know he has passed away. Uh, yeah. He he was a terrific guy, but a South Philadelphia, South Philadelphia kid through and through. He would actually put in a contract or, or verbally or, or written that he, if the Philadelphia Flyers were playing hockey that on this particular Sunday, he had to get out early. He had to had to, they had to get him an early flight so he could get home to watch the games and. Uh, Matter of fact, I did the same thing too, but I uh, I am an Eagle fan, um, so I would want to try to get out to get uh, season. I had my season tickets. My son, my father, and I would go to see the Eagles play. But Bobby was a tremendous talent. You know, he did a uh, TV skit with Red Skelton, in which he imitated Red Skelton. And a very, very, very talented artist. He was a heck of a drummer and a funny guy, a very funny guy. And Frankie Avalon, I, I knew from high school, even though I, I was older than he, uh, I knew Frankie pretty well. And uh, Joey Bishop was from our high school and never met Joey. Buddy Greco, of course, I knew Buddy. Um, and and uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I played football in high school. And um, so I went back to see my uh, former co uh, high school teachers, and they said, Fred, we want you to give a talk to the gym class. Tell them about how you became successful and uh, how, what you had to do and how you gave up, uh, uh, gave up staying at home and starting to travel on the road. And so I gave them a little speech, and I said, stay in school. It's important. About 10 years later, or less than that, we're appearing in a nightclub, and after the first show, we go outside to take a break. It was in Wildwood, New Jersey. It was a warm night. And all of a sudden, this fella comes rocking around the corner, and I thought it was Harry Balafonte. And uh, he, uh, the uh, conductor introduced us and said, fellas, this is Chubby Checkers. And he said, Chubby, this is Dave Mahoney, who sang tenor with the group. This fella is Lou Silvestri, who sang the bass. This is Saad Vaccaro, who sang the uh, uh, baritone. And this is, and he said, this is Fred Diodati, Chubby said. I said, my God, how do you know my name? He said, do you remember the speech that you gave in the, to the gym class? He said, I was in that gym class. And all of a sudden, I felt old. <laughs> <laughs> how how did, they, uh, did they accept your music? Because their music uh, was different than yours. Yours, theirs was rock and roll. Um, how well, did they... you, who, 
Who are you talking about? Uh, 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 Bobby Rydell and Frankie Avalon and Chubby yep. Checker. Yep. How did they? Yeah. No. They. Oh, it? they. Ex- yeah. No. They accepted it very, very well. No. They, it was. It was never any problem. Of course, the music was quite different. But you know, sometimes you sing a song and you think you've done it well, and then you hear somebody else singing it. For example, I wish we had recorded "Sweet Caroline." which wasn't our type of ah. tune. I think we would have done a heck of a job. Certainly not better than Neil Diamond. Of course not. But uh, certain songs you wish you had recorded. You wish you had the opportunity to record. And, uh, and, and we did that. We heard the Four Coins sing a song called, um, oh, my God, uh, is it Shangri-La? Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't think of the song, song right now. Oh, uh, The World Outside. The world outside, the Warsaw Concerto, um, and we 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 copied. We we didn't copy. We did our own arrangement because it was so well done by the uh, Four Coins. We said, let's let's give it a try. Maybe we maybe we could both have hits on it. We did, but they had the bigger hit, and they they should have. They did a great job. Terrific. Did you did and you guys were, ever were, perform in the in the Catskills by any chance? Oh my God! I we we performed everywhere in the Catskills, everywhere. That's how I met my friend um, uh, uh, Mel Simon. Uh, we met him in the Catskills, and uh, uh, we worked at Brickman's. We worked at Browns. We worked at. Uh, it, it, there's not a place that I could think of that we didn't work. There may be one or two, but I can't remember. We worked every one, and we enjoyed those days. It was terrific working there. We worked with so many of the uh, comics um, who were very, very popular at the time, Jack Carter and uh, Henny Youngman, uh, just Alan King. We worked with Alan King several times. <clears throat> it was It was a joy to work the Catskills at that time. And it's so sorry to see that they don't have the shows uh, that they used to have. Although our singing days are, um, are kind of over now. Uh, <laughs> my partner, my partner developed the uh, the COVID uh, problem about uh, three or four years ago, and was in the hospital for almost a year, about eight months, and. Oh. Uh, we had a rehearsal to try to sing again, and uh, it was difficult for all of us to sing because we had laid off so long. And the worst thing, if we've gone on stage sometimes, and maybe one or two of us, or a little horse uh, traveling will do that to you. And you have to really try to be an entertainer rather than just a singer, because Sometimes we, we we weren't singing as well as we would have liked to have sing, but you the name of the game is to perform when you're on stage. Singing is records. You get on the record and you do the best you can, and they have all kinds of electronics that will make you sound a little better sometimes. Um, but when you're on stage, it's your voice and your ability to make the audience like you, and that's that's sometimes the tough part, but quite o- more than often the easy part. The audiences have always been good to us. Tell me about working with the, some of the different record companies 
back in those days. It's a lot was a lot different then than it would be today. Well, I have no idea what it's like today, but I know that every time we went went in to sing, well, I won't say every time, quite a few times. Well, you'll hear it in the recordings of Three Coins in a Fountain and of uh, Stranger in Paradise. And there's a huge chorus behind us singing and a, certainly a big orchestra, which it's sometimes if you're singing not as well as you'd like to sing, they could pick you up and make you sound better than you really are, 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 are singing. Um, it is a joy. It is, it is Im- impressing to us. You hear all these voices in the background. It was, it, it wasn't difficult to do. The only difficult part was when you had to record an album, um, and we had to learn 12 songs and my partners had to learn the harmony parts, which was difficult for them, although they were all qualified musicians. The difficult part was for me, learning the lyrics and the melody wasn't difficult. I couldn't read music. So I had, they, if it weren't for them, I would have never got by. So I had to try to learn to read music as I, as I went along. But my first album with them, which was extremely difficult to do, it was called Hits from Broadway. And uh, uh, it was it was difficult. The second one was uh, Beyond the Blue Horizon. That was a little easier because I was reading a little bit of music then. But uh, those are the things that the, the uh, audiences or the hearing audiences don't know about. All the work that goes into a... Uh, of recording a lot of work goes into it <clears throat> they um i often wonder i heard stories about way back then when when uh, singers would go to the various radio stations literally they would go in the radio oh, yeah. station and say look here's my record can you play this for me and oh, yeah. you know, jerry vale is an example eddie fisher yep. is another one did you guys yep. do that? No, we we were with Decca Records at that time, and Decca Records uh, gave us a, a, a man to or a woman to lead us around to all the radio stations. They made the they made the preparations for it. They would call up the radio stations, and that that this was a representative of Decca Records. He would call them up and say. Listen, I've got the four aces are in town, and they would like to do your radio show. Are you guys available for it? And um, almost always they would say yes, and we would go in and sit down, do an interview, just as we're doing now. Um, it was it was easy for us. We never had to uh, uh, call up ourselves. The recording companies who we were with uh, took care of us at that time. Do you remember names like uh, Alan Freed, for example, out of Cleveland, or, or Bruce yeah, Morrow out I'll of t- New York? I'll tell you, I, you know, uh, to this day, I'm I'm reasonably sure you mentioned Cleveland. I, I we do you remember? Um, oh God, I, I'm having a difficult time thinking of names now. Um, oh, he's a famous. Had a famous radio show and he was kicked off the show for a while. Imus, Don, Don Imus. Imus. Yeah. Yes. 
Wasn't he out of Cleveland? I believe he was, yes. And and I'm positive we did his radio show. And, mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, we did radio shows. We went radio hopping. We used to do uh, the uh, record hops. You would go into a record store, and in those days there were young, you know, young kids, young girls screaming, and we were we were pretty popular at that time. But as the years went on, there were less and less people attending the radio shows because their music was changing. It became more of the Bobby Rydells, the Frankie Avalons, the Fabians, uh, and our popularity with that young crowd uh, became less. But where we were gaining popularity was with the older crowd, the people who were getting to be in their 50s and 60s and still remembered our music so that we really were still singing about four years ago. And I'm 93 now. And so I was still singing at 80, what, 87, 88. And wow. uh, people still came to see us. But some with walkers, some with canes, but they came. Jeez, that's incredible. That's absolutely yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, um, it was incredible. It was incredible to us. In fact, one time we were appearing, I believe it was in Milwaukee, and I had my tuxedo uh, on except my jacket, and I look outside to see the people coming in. So my partner, uh, Joe, calls me and he says, um, Fred, how's the crowd look? I said, boy, I said, a lot of people come in. It's a lot of walkers. Some in wheelchairs, but a lot of people were coming in. I said, but Joe, I got to tell you, they're old. He said, Fred, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, so I thanked him for that <laughs> and went on my way. <clears throat> the variety shows like um, the Chevy show that Pat Boone did and Jimmy Dean and <clears throat> Arthur Godfrey and Hollywood Palace, things like yep. that. Yep. Tell me we about did, all uh, Yeah, we did the Jimmy Dean show. Jimmy Dean had a show. We did his show. We did the Jackie Gleason show. We did the uh, uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Carson uh, show. Uh, the Tonight Show. Um, my God, we we did Kate Smith. Uh, we did a lot of uh, shows. As a matter of fact, when we did the Johnny Carson show. We, it went over very well, and the conductor of the orchestra at that time was Skitch Henderson, was his name. And uh, they asked us, after we had finished, we're packing up ready to go back to our hotel, and they said, could you guys do another number? And we hadn't rehearsed it, and so we said, yeah, if the, the orchestra could play it, could we rehearse? They said, we can't rehearse, the show's live, it's on now. <clears throat> so from the center of the stage where Skitch Henderson and the orchestra was to backstage, we, we, we gave them the, the tempo of the song we had to do, which was three coins in a fountain. We gave them the tempo with our hands, just waving up and down mute like, and we went on and sang. they played it perfectly and we sang it extremely well. And that went over very big. And Johnny Carson was very grateful that, uh, we were able to add a tune. Now, we did a lot of those shows. Um, 
they, they were all a, a pleasure, a pleasure to do. Uh, Mike Douglas's show many times, many times because it came out of Philly and that's our home. Did you co-host yeah. that show? I know that there were one of his practices was to have somebody with him for a whole week. Uh, he, the, the, yes, he did have somebody for a whole week. No, we never did that. There were, uh, I'm trying to think of the host, the days that the, one of the shows we did was with Lou Rawls, Pat Cooper. Oh, gosh. Uh, and then another show we did the, with the movie actor David Niven yep. and Amanda Blake uh, Kitty from Gunsmoke. Oh, my. And, God. Uh, and the lawyer, Melvin Belli, who was a very famous lawyer at that time. Yep. Uh, we, yeah, we did uh, that with him. Uh, oh, gosh, I, I, I'm hard pressed to think of any more shows, but I know we did a lot more, a lot. Como, Perry Como, my hero. Como, Como show, the sweetheart of a man, just a, just just a, uh, just a great guy, and also Ed Sullivan, the Ed Sullivan show. Um, and on, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we, uh, my partners were excellent musicians. I was not. But they taught me to play the trombone and on stage, in fact, on the Kate Smith show, we did the, when the Saints go marching in and Dave Mahoney played the clarinet, Saad played the trumpet, Louie played drums and I played trombone and we did a Dixieland number. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Very That's, good. And, and the nice thing is too, you know, you look back you can name, you know, Perry Como was on every night or every Wednesday night. He almost yep. caused the, the Dick Van Dyke show to get canceled because he no, was so that, popular. Yeah, that, that I did not know. But, uh, you know, and gosh, oh, he his last song, I, I think it was his last song that, that uh, he recorded, which is, I guess, the, his prettiest song I ever heard. Uh, and uh, and and I love her so. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard. So. Oh my gosh, he sang it so beautifully, and he had to be. I would think he was in his late seventies or early eighties when he sang it. Some it's amazing perform, if you, Some guys perform yeah. too long. Uh, it's like yeah. you know when Willie Mays played for the Mets, he would yeah. fall down in the outfield, and yeah. I could not understand how Frank Sinatra could perform in the nineties and, and, and have an album go platinum. And he wasn't that great a singer anymore. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, but you know, sometimes when you have developed a name, um, people come to listen to you and hear you for what you were, what you, what, that was their era, and you were part of that era. I'm, this may not be a, a good comparison, but there was a time we were doing a show in a nightclub in Omaha, Nebraska. And we went to rehearse the orchestra. My partner rehearsed the orchestra. And he said, oh, my God, this, this band can't play for us. He said, they can't read our music. They're terrible. And the owner said, 
so we went to the owner and said, can you get an orchestra right away? We got to sing tonight. And he said, oh, he said, they'll, they'll be good enough. We said, no, we can't go on stage and sound like that. He said, well, I'll tell you what, sing one song and just let them look at you. So, which just, just absolutely amazed that he would say something like that. But I know what he meant as years go by. If you go see Bob Hope, it isn't that Bob Hope is a sharp uh, when he was in his 80s or, or 90s. It isn't that he's as sharp as he was. It's the memories he brings back to me. It's that I can relate to him in the 50s and the 40s when he was entertaining troops. It was Bob Hope. I saw his movies. I just wanted to see Bob Hope. And if the jokes weren't that funny, it didn't make any difference to me. And I think that's that's what the, the nightclub owners say. Well, you guys are pretty popular. Just let them see you. Well, it, it goes beyond that. But uh, that was his view of the situation. Now, that's interesting because I saw Bob Hope in the 70s. And uh, he was he was still funny. He was still yep. very, very funny. Yep. Yep. Um, he, um, he, uh, because you you saw when he did his TV show, a lot of his jokes he would read, and which is understandable. You li listen, in the latter years, I had to, uh, I when I guess the mid '80s, I had to put the sheets uh, down uh, in front of me because I did the uh, the, the talking on stage, and uh, I would remember what I'd have to see what the the next tune was. Sometimes, not all the time, but I would have to look and then introduce the song appropriately. Uh, but uh, it may be a little nervous. It's something I didn't have to do at the beginning or the middle of my career, but near the end, the words to the song, we never forgot. I don't think any, any one of us ever forgot the words to the songs that I can think of. You know, I, I'll always, I love Three Coins in the Fountain. I don't know who that lady was that did the recitation at the beginning. You know, make it mine, yeah. make it mine. God, she had a great voice. I don't know who she well, was, we but do. I love that voice. Well, I'll tell you what. We did a PBS special uh, uh, within the last 10 years, and we had the singers behind us, and one of the lovely young ladies behind us did make it mine, make it mine, please make it mine. When it yep. was originally recorded, there was another young lady that said, make it mine, make it mine. And when we went to Japan, there was a young Japanese lady, a young girl said, make it mine, make it mine, make it mine. So there's three different women that, that, that we experienced did their lines. If you had to put together off the top of your head a highlight reel of some of your performances, and moments in your God knows how long career. Take a couple of minutes and tell us what they would be. Well, there was, I, I had some personal moments. So when we appeared in, in South Philadelphia at a place called Palumbo's, we had a lot of the old guys I knew from around the corner. They weren't entertainers. They were doctors, truck drivers and everything. And, and we sang for them. They had the special night there, but, but, uh, I remember singing with, um, you're going to laugh at this. We did a show in California with 
Nat Cole, Tex Ritter, Donald O'Connor, and about three or four other big, big stars. And we all were behind the piano player and, and the writers of the songs that we were singing. The writers were playing the piano while we sang their tunes. Nat Cole would sing a song with uh, whoever was playing the piano for him. I can't recall now. And then they would switch over uh, and they would switch over to uh, Tex Ritter. And then they would switch over to the Four Aces. And then they switch over to Gogi Grant was another one. When they got to Tex Ritter, he blew the lines. He, uh, oh. he was singing High Noon and he blew the lines. And he came back and, ha and did it again and blew the line again. And he, I'll never forget this. He, oh, what, first of all, let me tell you what a gentleman, what a gentleman's gentleman he was. And he said, please excuse me. And he apologized right down the line to everybody. And he stepped aside and he started praying. And we could just hear him under his breath uh, praying. And he gets back and he turns around and he says, can we try it one more time, please? We do. And he sang it perfectly. Uh, oh. And uh, th those are the little th things. I know it might sound a little silly to you, but I, I, I was so moved, deeply moved by, by uh, his performance and, and what he did. And then work, working with uh, Raymond Burr, oh, my God. What if we did a convention with him, believe it or not, what the heck could we possibly do? But he, he gave a speech as eloquently as you could give one. And we sang and we sat and talked and extremely impressed by him. And the most recent, I'll tell you a story. It'll take a couple of minutes. I got the time. You got time. Um, okay. Years ago, we appeared in the Houston, Texas at the orbit room and Houston, in Houston, and we're singing. And every night, this good-looking big guy would come in and see our show, and come in with his wife, see the show, and then leave, and always tell us how much he enjoyed the show. Nice fella. <clears throat> the the leader of the band said, uh, "I want you guys to have dinner at my house on Sunday, and I'm going to invite Kenny with me." Uh, this is the fellow he met. He said he's a musician. He'd like he loves meeting. Uh, groups. He loves the four freshmen. He loves the four lads, the four aces. So we had dinner with him. Nice fellow. Years later, I see the guy again in Las Vegas. And we said, Kenny, what are you doing here? He says, I'm here to get my union card. I'm playing bass for a group called the Kirby Stone Four. Huh? Said, Good. I hope you make out. I hope you get your card. A few years later, we see him in Reno, Nevada. And then say hello to him, have a cup of coffee and go. And then about seven, eight years later, I'm walking at the Stardust Hotel and all of a sudden this big guy with my partner, Louie, he hugs me and he hugs Louie and he says, Louie, Fred, he said, you don't remember me, do you? Kenny Rogers. I oh. never knew that the Kenny that we knew, the bass player, was Kenny Rogers. And at that time, he was with the Christie Minstrels, a sweetheart of a guy, a, a just, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever know. And uh, 
we were all upset when he passed away. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, you know, you mentioned mention all these names, and you mentioned like guys like Tex Ritter. Makes me think of people that you may or may not have a connection with. People like Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Pat yeah. Boone. Any well, of those Pat guys? Boone, we did. Yeah, oh yeah, we did a show. Uh, we did a show with Pat Boone. We did the uh, PBS special with Pat Boone. Uh, we did. We never. We never sang with Pat. No, but uh, we did him. And of course, he's he's as nice as he seems to be. He's just a, just a heck of a nice guy. I'm impressed when I meet some of these entertainers, um, who I actors, uh, singers, dancers, whatever they do, and uh, for the most part, they're all good people. They're all out to make a living. And then you get caught up. You really enjoy entertaining people. You 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 move people. Sometimes we had a an incident where, um, and this was in Orlando, Florida. We're singing at this big nightclub called the Sheiks, and they asked us if we would the next day go to a hospital and sing for people who were. Um, um, well, elderly, to say the least, in wheelchairs, and some of them were not uh, very up to, up to anything. So we, we we did we went and we did a show, and that night while we were on stage, we get a note from the uh, owner of the rest of the place we were working, and the note said, "Want you to announce to the audience that." When you sang for these people, there was one who had not spoken for over a year. And when we asked the audience to sing with us, if they knew the words to dream when you're feeling blue, that song, she yep. started to sing it. She hadn't sung for one for at least a year. And uh, I, I never forgot that. The note, I had to read the, the note on stage. It was, it, it's one of the things that's happened in, in 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 regard to our performing and yet and yet it meant so much to us from a humanity standpoint we were able to to make an impression on some people to that extent yeah that's the now obvious question do you listen to any i don't care for the music that's on today i listen to xm radio you know, yep. the forties, the fifties, the sixties. What kind of entertainment do you listen to, or do you do for yourself? No, I I really don't. I'll tell you what I listen to. I listen to um, the old songs, um, the fifties, the forties. As a matter of fact, I love to listen to uh, the old crooners. Years ago, they used on the radio. They would have the Battle of the Crooners. And they would play uh, Dick Hames and uh, uh, Frank Sinatra and Vaughn Monroe. I, I, I be, be, must be me mentioning names that uh, your audience may not remember. Andy Russell. Uh, and they would be the Battle of the Crooners. And you would call the radio station and say, I vote for Frank Sinatra. Uh, I still go for that type of music. And I seem to be enjoying Perry Como more than ever. <clears throat> I appreciate him so much. First of all, a nice person. 
And secondly, what a magnificent voice he had. And he wasn't what I would call the show business type. He was just a, a genuine, genuine nice fellow. And that, 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 that's so nice when you meet these people who are so big and haven't, uh, haven't lost their humility. It's, it's, it's enjoyable. He was, he was one of my heroes. I got to see him perform in Worcester, as a matter of fact, several years ago. Uh-huh. And it's, funny, it's funny now because I, I listen to XM and they're playing Christmas music. And, and one of the songs that they play that my mother always loved and it makes me think of her was Ave Maria. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He sang it so beautifully. Did you ever hear him sing the Lord's Prayer? Yes, I have a recording oh, of it. Oh boy. Yeah, I have a recording the, of it. Yeah. I had a I had a 45 record that on one side was Ave Maria and the other side was the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> oh, you're going straight to heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope there won't I hope there won't be a problem getting in. <laughs> no, I'll let you in. <laughs> I, yeah, you, yeah, you may wind up doing that. You may wind up doing that. Um, but it's, it's, it, I don't know. There's just something special about that era and that time that it's just not around anymore. And it's kind of sad because the young people today don't know what it was like back then. Yeah. And I tried to, uh, I have, uh, uh, eight grandchildren. I tried to, uh, interject to some of our music. Oh yeah, that's pretty. And uh, I could tell as soon as they're as soon as they're out the door, they've got their car radio on and listening to something else. It's uh, it was a different era, a different time. Um, even even the old movies, which I thoroughly enjoy, with uh, there's a movie called Inherit the Wind with Spencer Tracy and Frederick March, and and I got one of our granddaughters come and say, watch this scene with Spencer Tracy and Frederick March. The, the acting is magnificent. And, that, and they, oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Is it almost over? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they just, it's, it, it, there's a time and place, I guess, for each generation. And ours was, Mine was the era of World War II. I remember Pearl Harbor. I remember the veterans. I remember uh, a lot about it. I remember how they interrupted the broadcast on December the 7th, 1941. I was listening to the Eagles play the Washington Redskins, and they ah. interrupted to say uh, <clears throat> Pearl Harbor's being bombed. And I said, well, what, so what? It's not the United States. I, I had no idea where I had no idea where Pearl Harbor was, but then again, I was 11 years old at the time. Just as a side yeah, note, I, I I know you've been married for a while. What's the secret yeah. to a good marriage? Uh, find something to <laughs> get outside. I have a little bit of ground outside, and I love getting out and puttering around. I chop my own firewood. I it's, a, it's almost like a hobby for me. I cut my own lo- uh, ground. And uh, uh, I, I, I'll i tell you the truth. My wife and I went to high school together, and uh, we were July, or coming July, it'll be 72 years that we're married. So, wow. 
Yeah, so whatever we're doing, it seemed to work out pretty well. Geez, I don't think yeah. I'm, I'm going to be married for seven years. I don't think I can make it that long, though. <laughs> I, it gets rougher as it gets older. No, this we've had. I've had a. I've been blessed. I'm very lucky, lucky in so many ways uh, um, to have our kids still live around us. Uh, we have five and eight grandchildren, the three great grandchildren, and. Uh, I've I've been blessed in more ways than I've ever expected and never thought at at 93 I'd be talking and doing a radio show with Ken. So <laughs> I never did either. I never <laughs> did either. Well, I have to both thank Mel for that. But listen, I yep. I want to thank you so much uh for doing this. It's a, it's a great thing to talk about. I um uh, my I, I I love that kind of music and I I love hearing the stories that that you have to tell, and you do it so eloquently and so lyrically. Uh, you're a credit to the musical profession, and I, I, I can't thank you enough for sitting down and giving me an hour of your time, really. Well, it, Ken, it really is my pleasure. I haven't done one for years. I kind of retired, never thought I'd do another one. But if I had to do another one, I'm glad it was with you. You made it very easy for me. Well, thank, thank you. You 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 gave me a big thrill. I really enjoyed it, sir. Listen, my pleasure, Ken. Continue good luck to you. Have a good holiday season, and yep. uh, just remember that love is a many splendored thing, and there'll always be three coins in the fountain. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Take good care. Thank you again, Ken. Bye bye. I will. I will do that, sir. And that will do another edition of City Talk. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.